Section 15 of Arts and Crafts Essays. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Of Stucco and Gesso by G. T. Robinson. Few things are more disheartening to the pursuer of plastic art than finding that when he has carried his own labor to a certain point, he has to entrust it to another in order to render it permanent and useful. If he models in clay and wishes it burnt into terracotta, the shrinkage and risk in firing and the danger in transport to the kiln are a nightmare to him. If he wishes it cast in plaster, the distortion by waste molding or the cost of piece molding are serious grievances to him, considering that, after all, he has but a friable result. And though this latter objection is minimized by Mrs. Laxton Clark's ingenious process of indurating plaster, yet I am persuaded that most modelers would prefer to complete their work in some permanent form with their own hands. Having this desirable end in view, I wish to draw their attention to some disused processes which once largely prevailed by which the artist is enabled to finish and render durable and vendable his work without having to part with it or pay for another's aid. These old processes are modeling in stucco duro and gesso. Stucco duro, although of very ancient practice, is now practically a lost art. The materials required are simply well-burnt and slacked lime, a little fine sand, and some finely ground unburnt limestone or white marble dust. These are well tempered together with water and beaten up with sticks until a good workable paste results. In fact, the preparation of the materials is exactly the same as that described by Vitruvius, who recommends that the fragments of marble be sifted into three degrees of fineness, using the coarser for the rough bossage, the medium for the general modeling, and the finest for the surface finish after which it can be polished with chalk and powdered lime if necessary. Indeed, to so fine a surface can this material be brought, and so highly can it be polished that he mentions its use for mirrors. The only caution that is needful to give is to avoid working too quickly, for, as Sir Henry Wooten, King James's ambassador at Venice, who greatly advocated the use of stucco duro, observed, the stucco worker makes his figures by addition and the carver by subtraction and to avoid too great risk of the work cracking and drying these additions must be made slowly where the relief is great if the relief is very great or if a figure of large dimensions is essayed it may be needful even to delay the drying of the stucco and the addition of a little stiff paste will ensure this so that the work may be consecutively worked upon for many days from the remains of the stucco work of classic times left us, we can realize how perfectly workable this material was, and if you examine the plaster casts taken from some most delicate low-relief plaques in stucco exhumed some ten years ago, near the Villa Farnesina at Rome, or the rougher and readier fragments of stucco duro itself from some Italo-Greek tombs, both of which are to be seen in the South Kensington Museum, you will at once be convinced of the great applicability of the process. With the decadence of classic art, 
some portion of the process seems to have been lost and the use of pounded travertine was substituted for white marble but as the bassi relievi of the early renaissance were mostly decorated with color this was not important the ground colors seem generally to have been laid on whilst the stucco was wet as in fresco and the details heightened with tempera or encaustic colors sometimes with accessories enriched in gilt gesso of which hereafter many remains of these exist and in the nineteenth winter exhibition of the royal academy there were no less than twelve very interesting examples of it exhibited and in the south kensington museum are some few moderately good illustrations of it it was not however until the sixteenth century that the old means of producing the highly finished white stucci were rediscovered and this revival of the art as an architectonic accessory is due to the exhumation of the baths of titus under leo x raphael and giovanni da udine were then so struck with the beauty of the stucco work thus exposed to view that its reuse was at once determined upon and the loggia of the vatican was the first result of many experiments though the reinvented process seems to have been precisely that described by vitruvius naturally the art of modeling in stucco at once became popular the patronage of it by the pope and the practice of it by the artists who worked for him gave it the highest sanction and hardly a building of any architectural importance was erected in italy during the sixteenth century that did not bear evidence of the artistic craft of the stuccatori there has just autumn eighteen eighty nine arrived at the south kensington museum a model of the central hall of the villa madama in rome thus decorated by giulio romano and giovanni da udine which exemplifies the adaptability of the process and in this model cavaliere mariani has employed stucco duro for its execution showing to how high a pitch of finish this material is capable of being carried indeed it was used by goldsmiths for the models of their craft as being less liable to injury than wax yet capable of receiving equally delicate treatment and benvenuto cellini modelled the celebrated button with that magnificent big diamond in the middle for the cope of pope clement with all its intricate detail in this material how minute this work of some six inches diameter was may be inferred from cellini's own description of it above the diamond in the centre of the piece was shown god the father seated in the act of giving the benediction below were three children who with their arms upraised were supporting the jewel one of them in the middle was in full relief the other two in half relief all round i set a crowd of cherubs in divers attitudes a mantle undulated to the wind around the figure of the father from the folds of which cherubs peeped out and there were many other ornaments besides which adds he and for once we may believe him made a very beautiful effect at the same time figures larger than life indeed colossal figures were executed in it and in our own country the italian artists brought over by our henry the eighth worked in that style for his vanished palace of nonsuch gradually stucco duro fell into disuse 
and coarse pargetry and mottled plaster ceilings became in later years its sole and degenerate descendants gesso is really a painter's art rather than a sculptor's and consists in impasto painting with a mixture of plaster of paris or whiting in glue the composition with which the ground of his pictures is laid after roughly modeling the higher forms with tow or some fibrous material incorporated with the gesso but it is questionable if gesso is the best vehicle for any but the lowest relief by it the most subtle and delicate variation of surface can be obtained and the finest lines penciled analogous in fact to the fine pot sur pot work in porcelain its chief use in early times was in the accessories of painting as the nimby attributes and jewelry of the personage represented and it was almost entirely used as a groundwork for gilding upon abundant illustration of this usage will be found in the pictures by the early italian masters in the national gallery the retables of altars were largely decorated in this material a notable example being that still existing in westminster abbey many of the gorgeous accessories to the panoply of war in medieval times such as decorative shields and the lighter military accoutrements were thus ornamented in low relief and on the high cruppered and high-peaked saddles it was abundantly displayed in the sixteenth-century work of germany it seems to have received an admixture of finely pounded lithographic stone or hone stone by which it became of such hardness as to be taken for sculpture in these materials its chief use however was for the decoration of the caskets and ornamental objects which make up the refinement of domestic life and the base representative of it which figures on our picture frames claims a noble ancestry its tenacity when well prepared is exceedingly great and i have used it on glass on polished marble on porcelain and such like non-absorbent surfaces from which it can scarcely be separated without destruction of its base indeed for miniature art gesso possesses innumerable advantages not presented by any other medium but it is hardly available for larger works time and space will not permit my entering more fully into these two forms of plastic art but seeing that we are annually receiving such large accessions to the numbers of our modelers and as of course it is not possible for all these to achieve success in or find a means of living by the art of sculpture in marble i have sought to indicate a home art means by which at very moderate cost they can bring their labors in useful form before the world and at the same time learn and live End of section 15. Recording by Linda Johnson.